0: and you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash Film. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to slash Film Daily for Friday, November 15th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler discussion about The Mandalorian Chapter 2. The second episode has hit Disney+, and we're going to dive right into that. This is slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata, and joining me on to this podcast is slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And unfortunately, Brian Young can't join us today, but he will try to make it for future episodes of this because we know you like to hear his thoughts. Um, but okay, uh, before we get into the spoilers for episode two, uh, I let's go over our brief reactions. Uh, what did you think of this episode?
2: Uh, I thought this episode was great. Um, again, I, I feel like the this, this show is just a little too short. I don't know. I, I want it to be longer. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that it's it's swift on some level, and that there's no fat on it or anything. But I I've been enjoying this show so much that I, I wish there was more time for us to spend with it. It moves so fast, and uh, this episode in particular was only 28 minutes. So when you uh, don't count the credits that are part of the running time, so yeah, I, I really like how they're <laughs> developing this uh, story so far, and you know how you know we're learning more about uh, this. Baby Yoda, what we're going to keep calling it until we learn anything else to call it. Yeah. Um. And it's – yeah, what, what happens with that character in particular this episode is rather intriguing. It raises a lot of questions about, I guess, its life. Like, because yeah. it, it sounds and moves, you know, like a baby. But clearly <laughs> it understands things that are going on and has uh, force abilities. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that.
1: We'll get yeah, to okay. that. Yeah, um... I will say this, I like the second episode a lot more than I like the first episode, not that I dislike the first episode. I do think some people had problems relating to that character in the first episode. You know, he is behind a mask. We don't learn much about him. Uh, you know, he doesn't say much. Uh, he's just badass, and I guess, like, in that first episode, we're kind of meant to fall in love with him just because he's badass, and that that works for me. Uh, did not work for my girlfriend, Kitra. Um, she, uh, she liked the episode, didn't love it. And uh, when I saw the second episode, I was like, oh, my God, she's going to flip her shit because she loves creatures. Uh, I, I knew that the relationship between this baby and him was going to like, I feel like that is what gets you to care about him. The fact that he cares for this baby, there's like a relationship there. And I feel like now that that's introduced, a lot more people, I think, are going to be on board with this. Um, uh, the action, you know what? And I said this on the water cooler episode. Uh, just, uh, you know, let me first say that I love Dave Filoni. I love Star Wars Rebels. I think he's a genius, He's, he's a great storyteller. Uh, the first episode of the Mandalorian was his live action directorial debut. And I think it is fantastic for a live action uh, directorial debut, but I don't think it's a a polished as polished of a piece of, of live action filmmaking as it should have been for like, maybe a pilot episode. (laughs) Um, tonally it's kind of a little bit all over the place and the action isn't, uh, amazing. Um, but I think the second episode which is directed by Rick Fumiawa, I think is how you pronounce it. Um he he directed Dope which we saw at Sundance and I love that film. If you have not seen Dope, go find seek that out. It's a, it's a great movie. Um and I think this is just feels like a much more accomplished uh piece of cinema. So, I don't know. Okay, let's dive into it. Let's um actually before we dive into it, let, let's talk about things like you mentioned that this episode is like i think it's like 27 minutes long or 28 minutes long uh we were promised a, a live action one hour episode series and like you know usually when you say that in the, the the world of like premium television like hbo some of those episodes are over an hour uh it should we be disappointed that this we're getting less than a half an, half an hour episodes
2: i don't know you know, cause- I, I do wonder if they ever explicitly said if it was going to be hour-long episodes, but part of me wonders if maybe these first few episodes are just going to be kind of however long they are, because Jon Favreau wrote what like the first four episodes on spec before yeah. he ever ever even got you know Disney to listen to his pitch. So I wonder if once he they finally got the order, like he he's like okay, he's like now I can like flesh this out and write longer episodes maybe.
1: Yeah, I do know at the junket, at the press conference, I think he said that the episodes were going to be varied in length depending on what the story needed to be told. And that's something that we've seen with, like, streaming shows. I will say I've seen the third episode, and I think the third episode's probably around, like, 35, 40 minutes. So it doesn't get longer (laughs) quite yet. And I I will say, because I've seen the third episode, I'm not going to spoil anything from that episode, so don't you worry. Uh, What time did this episode launch last night on Disney+, Plus? do you know?
2: I don't because I tried at midnight uh, my time, which was 1 a.m. Eastern time, and it was not available.
1: Yeah, it looks like it was midnight Pacific time, so it seems like a lot of nerds are going to be waiting up until midnight Pacific or you know 3 a.m. Eastern every Thursday night to catch this, uh, which is going to be crazy. But uh, we're going to try to do these spoiler discussions on Fridays uh, so that you can get your fix after you see the episode um, okay. Uh, let's, let's dive into the actual episode. Uh, Mandalorian is walking with the Yoda baby, which I guess is what we're going to call it right now. Right. Yoda baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he does it, you know, that species does not have a name yet. Although it's rumored that George Lucas did give the, the species a name for the show. So we probably will be finding that out at some point. Um, They are attacked by some creatures. They're still on this planet that he, you know, he obtained the Yoda baby uh, on with uh, IG-11. They're attacked by some creatures. Uh, I love, I just love how, like, how this is filmed. You see, like, some shadows, and it's just out of the Mandalorian's view, and he kind of looks that way, and we get a close-up of him. And in that moment, we get, like, a reflection of them jumping overhead. It's just, like, so perfect, um, who who are these creatures? Do you know?
2: Uh, they're Trandoshans, which are the it's the exact same species of Boss, who is one of the bounty hunters who Darth Vader hired to find uh, Han Solo and everybody else in The Empire Strikes Back.
1: Yeah, and um, in badass fashion, the Mando takes you know takes them out in short order, and uh, one of them drops one of those beeper things, which signals that they were also out for the same bounty, right?
2: Yeah. yeah, that 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 was an interesting detail because uh, obviously it shows. In addition to IG11, it looks like this is something that a lot of people are trying to get their hands on.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I do want to point out that there's a lot more creatures in this episode. I think something that that did uh, help uh, my girlfriend Kitra love this episode. I, I do think for some people, Star Wars is d- droids and creatures. Do I mean like that's I so, think
2: yeah, that's that's so interesting to me because like. There, I like seeing the designs and the different kinds of creatures, but I'm never like, oh, sweet, a new creature.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not even talking about like the big creature, like like the little frog things and like the Jawas. like, I feel yeah. like you need more than humanistic. Like, I mean, I guess there was a bunch of creatures in the background of like the the cantina shots in the first episode, but it, yeah. they're definitely they definitely play a much bigger role in this episode. OK, so uh, do you have anything to say about the, the this action scene?
2: Uh no it was it was really well done I, I um I liked it I liked it a lot I think that the the Trandoshans were are pretty cool as far as villains are concerned they're they're treat they're treated more like henchmen in this time but uh, I think it was just nice to see you know creatures like that in action
1: yeah and there's uh close ups of, of Yoda baby's face which are just like too cute and uh, actually when I was at the world premiere this week. Uh, Favreau and Dave Filoni told the story about how they were shooting a scene uh, with, I assume, the Yoda baby and Werner Herzog's character, which I guess may be a spoiler. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, they told it. So they were fine with it being out there and they were not willing to give any spoilers. Uh, but they filmed the scene with Werner Herzog's character and this Yoda baby. And uh, while they were filming the scene, they had to they, they were filming it with a puppet. And then they would have to do shots where they took the puppet out and film the same scene without the puppet in, like, the pod um, so that they could replace it with a CG Yoda baby. And uh, Werner Herzog, I guess, asked them, like, why they were doing that. And they explained, like, you know, they weren't sure the puppet, you know, would play, you know, perfectly on T- uh, on TV. So they, you know, needed to have that option to CG it. And, like, Werner Herzog called them cowards. <laughs> <laughs> it, would not, yeah, it would it would not allow them to do it. So during your scenes, they they were not allowed to use the uh the plates or something. So I thought that was hilarious.
2: <laughs> that is hilarious.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh we then see what do we see? Uh we then see the Mandalorian logo and the reveal that chapter two has a title, The Child, which is fitting. Uh so far we had thought that each episode was just gonna be called chapter you know, whatever number, but they're actually going to have titles, which is, is cool. Um, Mandalorian is fixing himself and the boy crawls out of his crib, or we don't even know if it's a boy. It could be a girl, right? The, the baby crawls out of his crib and comes towards him. The music builds. And I think the audience is supposed to know something that the Mando is not supposed to know. What was this baby? Does he have
2: force? Does it have force healing abilities? Yeah, so that, yeah, that that's an interesting thing to note here, because as far as I know, we haven't seen anybody use the Force to, like, heal somebody who has a wound or a cut, right? Yeah. So that that was interesting, because he's, after the fight, he got injured, and he's trying to, like, he used some kind of, like, uh, welding device to, like, close the wound on his arm and that's when the little the little baby Yoda get, comes out and walks over to him and like puts his hand up like he's going to use force abilities but Mando is just like he's just like just just picks him up and takes him back to his crib and, and it, ha- it happens a couple times too and it's like obviously that's another interesting thing because it seems like the Mandalorian doesn't know about the force or doesn't know that like that people still have those abilities because, well, well, yeah,
1: we got to say that this is like three decades after, you know, the Jedi were taken down. And aside from Luke Skywalker, who was just like a small part of, you know, one battle or, you know, a couple yeah. battles, like, you know, people around yeah, that, the galaxy wouldn't know.
2: Yeah, because the Jedi have been gone, you know, since uh, Order 66 took them out in Revenge of the Sith. So it's it's been a while. And, you know, we this is obviously is uh, between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. And by the time Force Awakens comes around, even Luke Skywalker is just regarded as a myth.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, you, you did mention Yoda. Like, you know, in this, the Yoda baby baby's powers, we uh, are revealed in this episode. So I don't think we should like, you know, hide talking about that yet. Um, did, you mentioned, you know, he's a baby with these powers. So like, it, was he just born with these powers to know th- with these abilities? I mean, he is 50 years old.
2: So maybe he could have learned it over the 50 years. Yeah, I mean, just because he sounds like a baby and is so small doesn't necessarily mean he, yeah, he's, or this thing, you know, whether it's a a girl or a boy or anything, uh, is a child, you know, because Yoda was very small by comparison as an adult who, you know, was 900 years old. So, yeah, I mean, 50 years is a long time for anybody, so obviously it stands to reason that this, you know, creature knows what's happening around it and knows when to use its abilities. So it's obviously cogn- cognizant.
1: Yeah. Another thing, you know, we didn't mention last week when we were, when we were going through this, that uh, Werner Herzog's character was okay with the bounty being returned dead, but the doctor, Dr. Pershing was not, he like really wanted it to be, you know, this Yoda baby. What well, we found out to be this Yoda baby wanted to be returned alive. And even IG-11 was sent apparently was given orders to bring it in dead not even like if you can bring it in alive um so i'm curious what you you have to think about this like what do you think the motives here like if the if Werner herzog's character wanted it dead what could they do with it dead
2: i mean you could probably examine it and look at you know, it and see how its body operated, you know, autopsy style I guess. Yeah. And maybe um, you know, especially if, you know, since since the first episode came out, there's a little Camino um, clone facility reference because the doctor has a is wearing a uniform that has the symbol that all of the Boba Fett clones, or Django Fett clones rather, were wearing in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it's hard so, It's hard
1: to see in the show, but there's, like, photos online where you can see on his shoulder there's a patch, which is the patch that all the clones wore.
2: Yeah, so if, maybe, if this creature is somehow a clone, whether it's of Yoda or of another creature of its species, then they might be interested in examining it. But a part of me wonders if maybe these people are just middlemen and they don't know what it is that they're getting. Like, I do wonder if uh, even Werner Herzog or anyone who sent these bounty hunters out knows that this creature is a baby because all they know is that it's 50 years old. So to them, you know, that should be a full grown, you know, creature, man, character, woman, what have you, and not something that seems like it's a child.
1: Another thing we didn't mention last week that a friend of mine, Reza, pointed out is Dr. Pershing is one of the first Star Wars characters to, to wear glasses. There are characters in the Star Wars canon that wear goggles. Um, but I think aside from like maybe like the Ewok adventure, there is no characters that wear glasses. So that that's interesting to note.
2: Yeah, uh, I never realized that.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's uh, let's move on because we're going a little slow here. Uh, they awake to find Jawas are scavenging the parts from the Razorcrest, the, their ship. Well, they
2: don't—they don't awake to find it, but as they walk and make their journey back to his ship yeah. from a distance, they see, yeah, they see Jawas have completely torn apart his ship.
1: Yeah, uh, Mando starts taking out the little creatures using his pulse rifle, which awesomely disintegrates them in place. I—I uh, I think that the that imagery is just very cool. Yeah, uh, Mando jumps onto the side of the sand crawler and tries to get. Uh, as it tries to get away and uh the action scene here like that follows is so much bigger than i thought the series would ever get or maybe i thought like maybe the final <laughs> episode would get this level like it, it's really like this action scene that's taking place on the side of a sandcrawler as jawas and the mandalorian are fighting and there's also some nods here to indiana Jones in the last crusade like the whole um the yeah when, sequence.
2: He, when he, yeah when he avoids the cliffside and like Puts himself up against the side of the the sandcrawler and everything. What did you think of this whole scene? Yeah, it's a great sequence. The the action is very, very well done. And even though it's, it feels big, you can tell how easy it would be for them to pull this off with a, you know, a decent budget, you know, uh, the, the sandcrawler seems like it's practical for the most part. You know, I don't know if they use miniatures or anything like that. Like they did when they shot, you know, um, the razor crest in space using some of the, the old school original trilogy filming techniques, um, but otherwise, the rest of it is just close-ups on what you could easily have as a wall facade, you know, that the Mandalorian is climbing and and, and things like that. So, yeah. uh, I I really want to see a, um, behind the scenes of a lot of this stuff to see how they pulled it off. Yeah, I really
1: want to know. Like they keep on talking about this technology. I I've had friends that have been on set that um talked about how insane it was that like all the sets were created using these projection like these not projection LED panels, and that like it was. Favre described it at the the premiere as, like, they were in a motion capture stage. Like, this is actually filmed on the stage next to Avatar, for those who don't know, uh, in Manhattan Beach. And it was on a motion capture stage, and all the walls and things are, like, LED screens that are so high resolution that they look like real things. Now, when I I see this series, when I see, like, you know, Mando in Werner Herzog's office, all that stuff looks practical to me but um I'm assuming some of it isn't some of it's actually created uh in a computer which is uh, I don't know I, I want to see a behind the scenes thing to see like exactly w- what is actually being created by the thing because Werner Herzog just like lost his shit on stage saying how like it was the future of cinema and how you know actors now don't have to pretend they're in somewhere and it, it seems like it's invisible to us. I, w-
2: I, wonder, I wonder if maybe it's just the kind of thing that they've been using lately where they use projected screens like around the outside yeah. of spaceships for hyperspace and stuff like that. Where I think they, it's they,
1: that, but I think it's bigger. Like from what I'm told, it's more than that.
2: Uh, yeah, like what I'm imagining is basically that they they have these screens surrounding a set as if they were green screens. But it's so much more sophisticated because A, the actors don't have to pretend what's around them. They actually get to see it. And B... The environment can be manipulated and changed depending on what kind of shot they're getting and what they need to be to be seen.
1: Yeah, Favreau said that the like the cameras have motion tracking devices on them, so uh, the screens what is shown on the screens is changed based on its position in the room, and it's generated in real time by like these. Uh, Nvidia like high end chipsets. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyways, okay. Back to the scene. The scene involves Mandalorian taking out the Jawas as we as they throw shit at him and uh, fire upon him. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's a it's it's a fun sequence. Uh, he finally makes it to the top of the crawler and uh, they shoot him with what their stun guns or something.
2: Yeah, and- like, it seems like they all shoot him at the same time.
1: Yeah, and he falls to the desert floor, which honestly should have killed him. But maybe the Beskar Steel, there's some padding in there or something. I mean,
2: that's no match for physics, but... (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, Who knows? The gravity on this planet might be... No, I don't know. Uh, When he wakes up, uh, the Jawas are long gone, the tracks are in the sand, and the Mando ship has been completely destroyed. When I saw this at the premiere, I was like holy crap like they built up the ship as being a big part of the series just like they built up ig11 and it's completely gone in the second episode i was like so shocked
2: it was rather surprising to see how in disarray it was like panels missing from walls no computer systems no (laughs) weapons (laughs) it it really
1: was presented in a way that there was no way to recover it like it, it was not like like a few things were missing yeah um Anyways, uh, Mandalorian makes his way back to – by the way, we keep on saying Mandalorian, but this week, uh, Pedro Pascal, the guy that plays the Mandalorian, actually revealed the Mandalorian's name.
2: Yeah, and this was in like an official electronic press kit interview that got sent out from Disney+, Plus. it seems like, too. He just very casually reveals while he's talking to Mandalorian, not even prompted for his real name, but he says it's Din Djarin which we're not sure how to pronounce it, or, or not, not pronounce it, but the, rather spell it, because it's Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, like, we, we've had guesses ranging from, like, the first name being, like, D-Y-N, and the last name starting with a J or maybe a Z-H, you yeah. know, depending, because depending, the sound could be either or. So we, we're kind of waiting to see how, when that name gets revealed and how it's spelled.
1: But the big thing there is, like, when you have a masked person in, like, the Star Wars universe where everything connects, uh, people are like, oh, it could be Boba Fett. It could, who, maybe there's a big reveal to, you know, who the character is being played underneath the mask. It seems like the Mandalorian is just a new character. So, rest assured. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. no mystery there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Mandalorian makes his way back to his ugnat friend who is voiced by Nick Nolte, um, his home, his homestead. And he is stuck on this planet. Uh, this planet isn't, by the way, isn't Tatooine. I think they mentioned what it is, uh, when he's given the bounty. Um, but, uh, I guess Jawas exist outside of Tatooine and these Jawas actually look different. They have like different colored eyes and they, uh, they have dusty gray cloaks instead of the brown cloaks. So that's kind of cool. Um, okay. So he's back at this homestead, um, and by the way, this is the first bit of dialogue in this episode. I think it's 11 minutes into this episode. Uh, Brian Young, who wrote up the, re- the review on Slashfilm.com, mentions this, that George Lucas once said that the Star Wars films are basically silent movies, and they're designed as silent movies. The music has a very large role in carrying the story more than it d- would in a normal movie. Uh, this, you know, this is on full display here. This, much of this 30-minute episode is you know, no dialogue so that's kind of cool that the first uh you know bit of dialogue comes 11 minutes in uh the ugnaught convinces him to trade with the jawa something that he doesn't think is going to happen and the the yoda baby eats a frog which is just adorable
2: yeah he keeps playing with it while it's hopping around
1: (laughs) yeah um they uh while they're traveling to the jawa sandcrawler uh uh, Dougnot says they don't. They, or when they first see them, he's like, "They really don't like you for some reason." He says, "Well, I did disintegrate a couple of them." Yeah, and I feel like their relationship, the interaction between those two, I like so much, and I hope that's a bigger part of this series. But I don't know. Okay, so they finally get to the Jawas. Uh, he Mandalorian gets rid of his weapons, or the actually, or at least the weapons that they can see, and they sit down and agree to terms. Uh, they agree to trade the parts for quote unquote the egg. Um, the child will start chanting, chanting the egg. It almost reminds me of the Ewoks in a way of how primitive the uh of a race they are. Um, the Sandcrawler drops the Mandalorian and the baby off at them in a muddy valley where there is a hole. Uh, this is where this creature, where, where the egg can be found. The Mandalorian, uh, before entering the hole I, I I love how the Mandalorian does his a check of his things like he checks his like gun blaster and his, like he's like te- like when I leave my house, I always do that check I like do wallet keys <laughs> you know I mean? like I feel like that's what the Mandalorian did before like entering this this dwelling yeah for sure and uh I just love like little details like that
2: and uh so wait, so because we, we just we just missed it but the um one of my favorite parts of this episode is oh. just a funny little moment. After the Jawas decide that they want him to get the egg for them, because they're they're chatting it, and the way they say it is "suga, suga." And there's <laughs> there's a shot when you see the Mandalorian inside the Sandcrawler, and he has to crouch a little bit because it's made for how small the Jawas are. Yeah, and and he's just sitting there, and one of the Jawas just turns and looks at him while they're driving, and he goes "suga." <laughs>
1: yeah i I feel like the comedy in this episode works a lot better than it did in the first episode. not that it was bad in the first episode, but it feels more star wars yeah I should say um okay, uh so he enters this big hole and he finds you know an eye opens up and it's a creature uh this creature have we seen this creature before ever in Star Wars? do you know
2: not that I know i don't I didn't recognize this creature, and th- there have been other creatures that have. Yeah, uh, horns protruding from them, but not one that has like a big singular one like this.
1: Yeah, and this, and I, we should say that for a television show, this creature looks incredible. Like I'm assuming they're using the same like technology and like visual effects kind of people that like John Favreau used for you know Jungle Book and uh, Lion King because like, it, it just looks unreal. I don't know if there's it's it's a match of of practical and CG or how they're doing it. And uh, the interesting thing about this scene is it's a, a battle scene between the Mandalorian and this creature. But there's also this baby at play. But he's in this pod that the Mandalorian can kind of control and navigate out of the way of of the creature.
2: Yeah, and the, the Mandalorian really gets his ass kicked in this battle, too, which was cool. You know, we're, we're so used to seeing the Mandalorian be this badass person who comes out of a fight, mostly unscathed. And this time, you know, we see that he is, you know, not this, you know, invincible superhero because yeah. he gets he gets tossed around and his armor gets smashed and he just really takes a beating. Yeah, he's all muddy. Uh,
1: his armor was already a little bit destroyed, but after yeah. this is like completely destroyed and um, he's hurt and he's uh, getting dragged through the mud, literally, <laughs> and it's nearly killed. But in that moment, uh, the Yoda baby uses force powers to hold the creature back, allowing the Mandalorian to basically lift it up into the air. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's that that's a lot of weight there for a little guy like him judging by his size. You shouldn't. So. uh... okay. so so this is a big reveal that, you know, the Yoda baby has powers. Is this something that like I assume everybody watching the show knew from the moment that we saw him in episode one? Right.
2: Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not, cause that was kind of one of the big questions is whether or not just because this character looks like a Yoda species actually has force abilities, you yeah. know, espe- especially since he it looks like, um, like a baby. I feel like a lot of Star Wars
1: fans would assume it because there's only been two of these creatures ever seen in, I think the Star Wars movies and both yeah. of them had force abilities. So, uh, like I- I'm wondering, is this kind of species like just born with force abilities, like are they just high in Metikorian count? I, I was theorizing in our Slack channel because we, we have those rumors that George Lucas provided a name for the species, and my my going theory, and I'm not I'm not sure I'm correct, but I I, I like this theory is that the species name is going to be the Wills. So, you know, Star Wars started as the Journey of the Wills and they've mentioned that like, you know, Rogue One. Uh I feel like that would be cool to have them as like this ancient species that basically there's so they're rare and so few of them that exist in this galaxy. So I think uh, it's
2: a I think it's a fair theory.
1: Yeah. Um we'll find out. Uh okay, so The baby is completely exhausted, falls asleep. Um, Mandalorian returns to the Sandcrawler just as they were about to leave. Uh, Apparently they didn't wait that long because the battle didn't seem like it took that long. But um, who knows? Uh, The Jawas get their egg and we finally find out what they wanted it for. What did they want it for, Brad?
2: Yeah, one of the Jawas slices the top over with their knife and just starts eating the orange goo that's inside of it, and all the Jawas just like start like crowding around him and reaching their hand into it and just like just slapping it all over their faces and eating it as much as so they they just wanted this delicacy of an egg apparently.
1: Yeah, they're just messily consuming this yolk. Do you think this is just like a really expensive meal for them, or do you think like this yolk in their culture like gives them special powers or good luck? Like I feel like it must be more than just a meal, right?
2: I, I feel like maybe it's just something that's super rare for them, like, you know, like a, like a delicacy, something that they, they very rarely stumble upon and, and very rarely can get because of how hard it is to, you know, defeat the creature in order to get them. So I, I imagine it's just one of those things where, you know, uh, like legitimately like a, a Fabergé egg to them, just one but just one that they can eat.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, Mandalorian says, I'm surprised you waited to the Ugnot The Ugnaught responds, I'm surprised you took so long. I just love the exchanges between these two. They're just so good um they end up rebuilding the razor crest in a montage again oh, by the way I, want,
2: I wanted this montage to have an 80s pop song so bad <laughs> because if just, just like with the metal welding and the hammer hitting and everything it it really felt like a rocky montage
1: yeah uh but i will say the music in this episode is incredible i'm loving this music more and more like the music in that battle scene I don't even know what instruments were being used, or what yeah. like it's just crazy. Like I, 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 and it's crazy that he basically created a different score for each of these episodes. Like he's not just reusing. I mean, he is playing upon themes, but like you know, th- this is a film composer that is, you know, providing a new composition for each of these episodes. Which is
2: yeah, and, and honestly, I was kind of surprised and maybe even impressed that um, because I I was anticipating that that moment when. Uh, the baby Yoda uses the force to stop the creature that, like, when you see his hand, it was going to do the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they they aren't using any of
1: the classic Star Wars themes. Yeah. It somehow feels Star Wars, even though it feels so alien to Star Wars. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh,. Mandalorian asks Thugnaut to become a crew member of his, and Thugnaught says that basically he's worked his entire lifetime to be, to be free of solid uh, servitude. Um, he thanks him for bringing peace to his valley, and my heart melts. So uh, I don't know. I thought that was a really t- uh, touching moment, and obviously he says, I have spoken, uh, which is just like the greatest uh, line to come out of the series so far. Um, I just love that he keeps on saying that um okay so Mandalorian leaves uh we assume that he's bringing the baby Yoda back uh, to his home world for the huge reward that he's going to get from Werner Herzog uh as he's flying through space the baby wakes up and uh we cut to the credits uh so that is the episode Do do you have anything that we didn't get to talk about in this this spoiler discussion
2: no, I don't think so. I I Was it just me, or were you expecting something else to happen before the end of the episode? Yeah,
1: yeah. no, it was kind of a weird place to end it. Um, I will say this. I've seen the first three episodes, and I feel like the first three episodes could have almost been a movie that could have set up this show. I'm not saying that they were. Uh, it, it feels weird to – I mean, I guess the first episode is a natural end point. Like, it really has that, like, that big reveal of the uh, Baby Yoda. But this episode, it's it's kind of more weird. It's more of a – leaves you with a uh, – not not a reveal, but a question. Like, you know, what is going to happen from here?
2: Yeah, like, I anticipated, like, a, a sudden – a new ship to all of a sudden appear. And, like, there was going to be a cliffhanger where it was like, oh, no. Like, you know, who's after the, the kid now? Yeah. Um, but it was just a very calm thing that where he wakes up from being – So tired and then they kind of acknowledges each other. It's like, all right, well, let's go. (laughs) Yeah,
1: for sure. Okay, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. Uh, Brad, where can people find more of your work online?
2: Always on SlashFilm.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton and also my podcast, Go Flix Yourself, available on iTunes and other podcasting platforms. Yeah, you can find me at SlashFilm.com. You can find a
1: link to that uh, story that you did on uh, The Mandalorian's Real Name in the show notes. Uh, This podcast is... Slash Home Daily, that is, not the Mandalorian Spoiler Podcast. It's published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at com. And please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Monday.